My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. Uh, man, we're so grateful you guys are here, uh, especially if you joined us in person and you braved the cold. It was really cold this morning, but it got a little bit warmer. Uh, or maybe you, uh, you're like, man, I'm not getting out of bed today. and You're joining us from home. We're grateful to have you. Our hope and prayer is that this will become a home for you, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith in Jesus. Now, we'll let you know about a few things that are happening. Uh, first, uh, on February 5th, we have our next next steps. Uh, next steps is a, a place where you can come learn more about the church, uh, kind of where we've been, where we're heading. Also, a great place to help you uh, be able to build community, discover purpose, and grow in your faith. So, if you've never been, love for you to come. Even if you've been attending the church for six, seven years, um, and you've never been, or maybe you came a long time ago, then we'd love to have you. We'll have uh, childcare. We'll have uh, dinner ready for you. Uh, there'll be no football going on that weekend, so no excuse as to why. Uh, not to, to show up. So if you want more information, just scan the QR code in your worship guide and you can get more information uh, there. Uh, also, uh, in a few weeks, we're going to be uh, launching new groups for the spring semester. And if you're interested uh, in getting in a group, great. We'll have that coming up in a few weeks. But if you're interested in leading a group, uh, we're always looking for people who are willing to lead. And I know some of you are like, Ah, I can't do that. Uh, I, I don't know God's word enough or, man, I'm not a leader or whatever. And here's what we'd say. If you have a heart for people, you have a place you can open up, you are willing to serve a snack or a meal because you got to always have food at a group, uh, and you have a TV or a computer. If you can say yes to those four questions, then you can lead a group because uh, we will provide you with everything you, you need from there. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can text the word LEAD to the number on the screen. We'll follow up with you, give you more information, training, all of that stuff. Uh, but we, uh, because our church is continuing to grow, we always need more groups starting. So if you're interested in that, uh, please uh, uh, be willing to text that, that uh, word in. And let's see what God wants to do with you. And then lastly, on February 12th is our nine-year anniversary. And we're going to have a birthday party. Yeah. We're going to have a big old celebration. We're going to have like a true party here. We're going to have things for the kids to do. And we're going to have presents that I'm going to give away. Uh, we're going to have all kinds of sweets. Uh, we're going to do bunk cakes. and all. I mean, just it's going to be awesome. Uh, and here's the reason why I'm telling you. One, I want you to show up. But also, I want you to invite somebody. Uh, we're going to be starting a series that, that week on the book of Romans. We're going to be walking through what's called the Romans Road. Uh, which is uh, probably the greatest um, explanation of the gospel and why we need Jesus. So if you have somebody in your life that maybe doesn't come to church or maybe is struggling in their faith or, or whatever, somebody uh, that you go to school with or you work with or whatever, invite them. Okay, it's an easy invitation because we're having a party. Uh, so it's easy. Like, man, your kids are going to love it. You're going to love it. All of that. There's going to be free food there and all that stuff. Uh, but it could be the most important invitation they ever get in their lives because it could transform their eternities. So I want to let you know about that. Make sure you're here, but also invite somebody as well. All right, let's dive into this conversation today. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. I can see from here. I know who's not closing their eyes. Close your eyes. Now, I want you to think about the most significant moment of your life that maybe changed the trajectory of where you were going. Think about one experience that you've had, the most significant experience you've ever had in your life. What was it? And where did it take you? Oh, you can open your eyes. Let me tell you my story. I was thinking about that this week, and uh, it was when I was 16 years old. Uh, I did not know Jesus. I was not going to church. I had no values uh, uh, that, that, that I have now. Um, and so I got off work. It was about 1 a.m. 
and uh, my buddies were throwing a party. So uh, I was heading over to their house. I pulled up to the house, and for some reason, I thought, man, I'm, I'm just going gonna, gonna to not do good things tonight. Uh, I probably just need to go home. And now that wasn't like in my vocabulary. Like doing bad things was good, uh, in my opinion, at that time. And so for some reason, like I just changed in that moment. I'm like, ah, let me just drive home. So I'm driving out of the neighborhood, and I look over to the side, and all of a sudden I hit a parked car, okay? Now, you know you're good at driving when you can hit parked cars. I'm just saying. Like, I'm the most skilled driver in here. Um, and so I hit this parked car. I was going really fast. Um, and uh, when, when I kind of came to, um, I, I was like, oh, man, let me go check on this other car. Then I felt really dumb because it was empty and it was parked. Uh, and then this, this person came by, and they said, hey, are you Okay. And being the prideful person that I am, especially back then, uh, I was like, oh, I'm good, I'm good. Actually, we called 911. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling so great. The next morning I woke up, I was in a hospital bed, and doctors uh, said, hey, instead of standing over your hospital bed, I should be standing over your grave. You should have died last night. Now, the most significant part of that story is what happened in the moment of the crash. I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I need you to understand. If you know me, you know this. Uh, I'm not one of those like hyper um, spiritual, like, like everything is spiritual and everything, you know, there's always like angels around you and all. Like I, I, I don't typically go in that direction. Um, uh, and so in that, but in that moment, something spiritual was in the car with me. Now it was fascinating for me to think that. I didn't tell anybody that for years because I felt like people would look at me and be like, whoa. What is wrong with you? We need to admit you or whatever. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want people thinking I was crazy or anything. But something was with me in the car in that moment. Now, I wasn't a believer in God. Uh, I didn't even believe he existed at that point. And so I couldn't have said that it was God. I just knew something spiritual was in the car with me and it saved my life. So when I woke up the next day and the, the doctor said that to me, I thought, I probably need to like investigate this thing. And so at that point, I started going to church. I started asking a lot of questions. And it led me on the trajectory to accepting Christ in my life, which changed everything. Today we're going to look at a guy in the Bible that, that he had one significant moment that changed everything for not only him, though, but for the nation of Israel. His name is uh, uh, Moses, and his story is found in the book of Exodus. We're in the series right now called Exodus, where we're looking at uh, uh, identity, freedom. Uh, we're looking at purpose, and just those three things that we all wrestle with. We're studying the first 14 chapters of the book of Exodus. And if you missed any of the messages, we're in week three right now. So if you missed the last two, uh, you can go onto our YouTube channel, subscribe to that, watch them. Uh, you can go on Spotify and listen to it there. I mean, what better playlist than just... Justin Bieber, uh, Cole Swindell, and Ernest Smith. You know, like, <laughs> not really. But you can go on there and listen to it, whatever. Like, if you haven't watched or, or listened to those messages, go back and listen to them. Because I think they'll be uh, pretty impactful uh, for you in this journey that we're on uh, as a church. Uh, the book of Exodus, we've also created these message series hubs. So if you scan the QR code found in your worship guide, uh, then you'll see a, a, a tab that says current message series hub or current series hub. You just tap on that. It'll take you there. And, and for every series, we're doing this. where We're giving you resources, something you can watch, something you can read, something you can listen to. Because we know not everybody reads, not everybody listens to podcasts, not everybody watch videos. We want to give you an opportunity to select what's best. And those resources will help you grow in your faith, will help you understand the book that we're studying, the book of the Bible that we're studying in that time period. We're doing this because a, a couple months ago we did a survey and we asked you, you know, what's important to you? Where do you want to grow and all of that? And by far the majority of you said, I want to grow in my faith over the next year. So as a church, it's our job to resource you. Uh, it's your job to then feed you. 
Uh, so we'll resource you, and then you take that, and you go and grow, and let's have discussions and, and all of that. So we have that series hub. And here's what we've said about Exodus. Exodus is one of the most important books of the Bible. It's one of the most important books to the Jewish people, uh, I would say to, to our understanding of God's word and our understanding of the bigger picture of what God's doing. You can't fully grasp the depth of God's faithfulness unless you grasp the Exodus story. So we're going to pick up a chapter 3. We're just going to kind of do like a, like a good old-fashioned Bible study. We're just going to kind of go verse by verse, talk through uh, this chapter. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to Exodus chapter 3. If you don't, no worries. It's going to be on the screen. If you need a Bible, we have them at our Connections tent, or you can uh, download the Bible app. It's a great resource. We have Bible reading plans that we do together uh, and talk through God's word together and all of that. So you can download that. Exodus chapter 3, here's how it starts. Verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Now it doesn't seem like an earth-shattering passage, right? What's Moses doing? He's just being faithful. He's just being faithful with what God has put in front of him. What has God put in front of him? Hey, just be a shepherd. Hey, take care of your family. Hey, serve your father-in-law. You know, those types of things. This is the passage that I'm going to use when my wife gets, when my daughter gets married. And be like, serve your father-in-law. You know, like, they, he was just being faithful. Week one, we talked about how God uses small acts of faithfulness. That when you and I are just simply faithful, God can use us in powerful ways. So Moses is just being faithful. He takes the flock to the far side of the wilderness to a place called Mount Horeb. Mount Horeb is also called Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is one of the most important places in Scripture. One of the most important places to the Jewish people. Mount Sinai is the same place where Moses meets with God after he brings the people out of Israel. Mount Sinai is the same place that God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. Mount Sinai is the same place that Elijah, when he's running from Ahab, King Ahab, he goes to try to hear from God and find God, and he goes to Mount Sinai. So that's where Moses is in this moment. Verse 2 and 3. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Now Moses has got to be tripping at this point. I mean, like he looks over, he sees this bush burning. And he's like, but the bush isn't burning up. It's like the sheep weren't the only thing enjoying grass that day, if you know what I'm saying. And if you don't know, you'll get the joke in a week or something or whatever. So Moses is like, man, what's happening here? Like I'm seeing a bush burning up. I'm going to go check out this thing. Now fire is important throughout the book of Exodus. Fire in the book of Exodus represents the presence of God. We see it with the burning bush. We see it with the pillar of fire that leads the Israelites out of Egypt. We see the fire was a sign of God's presence on Mount Sinai. And fire, when it was in the tabernacle, represented God's presence being there. Fire represented God's presence. So this bush is burning but it's not burning up. God must be doing something. Verse four, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Now, quick question for all you parents. How many of you have ever had to, uh, to get your kid's attention, you've ever had to say their name twice or 400 times, you know? I think that's kind of what's happening here. Like if I'm Moses, I'm walking home, like this bush is like burning up, what's going on? And God's like, Moses, He's got to be like, what the? Hey, Moses, uh, here, here, here I am. Whatever you are, whoever you are, verse 5, do not come any closer, God said. 
Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. The place where you are standing is holy ground. This is a theme throughout Scripture and throughout the book of Exodus, is that God makes things holy. Like this place was not holy because of, of, of how special it was. This place was holy because God makes things holy. What, whatever and whoever God deems is holy is holy in his timing and his way and his faithfulness. And it's here at the burning bush in this moment where Moses has his most significant encounter that changes his life, changes the direction of the Israelites, and I would say impacts you and I today. It's here at the burning bush that God reveals three things to Moses. And these three things, I think, are, are three things that you and I long for in our lives and long for God to reveal to us as well. God reveals this. God reveals his promises, his purposes, and himself. God reveals his promises, his purposes, and himself. So God reveals his promises. What are the promises? Well, a couple weeks ago, we looked at what God had promised the nation of Israel, that God promised them that they would be a great nation, that he would bring them out of slavery from, the, from captivity, from the, the nation that enslaved them, which we now know are the Egyptians. Then once he does that, he will take them to the promised land. Then they will have king after king after king. Eventually, the king of kings, Jesus, would come from their lineage. These are the promises of God. God's, God reminds them of these promises in verse 8. You can go read that, that verse later uh, on your own time. I'm not going to spend much time there because we just did a whole message on that. Go back and listen to, uh, to week 1 and week 2 of, of our messages uh, in this series, and you'll see that. But God reveals his promises. The second thing God reveals is his purposes. God reveals his purposes. Look at verse 9 and 10. It says this, Now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now Go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. This is a big moment. I mean, Moses, he's a guy who's killed somebody. He's on the run. Pharaoh is trying to kill him. He's an outcast. He's a felon. Right now, he's just a shepherd. He's just serving his father-in-law. Like, there's nothing special about Moses. And God says, hey, Moses, I'm going to use you to go back to Egypt to set people free. To set my people free. This is huge. But Moses doesn't see it that way. Look at verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Last week we talked about uh, how sometimes our identity is built upon our past or our mistakes. Like who we are is, is what we did at one time. Or maybe who we are is what our role is currently in life. Like Moses could have said, well, I'm a murderer, I'm a felon, I'm an outcast. He could have said, I'm a shepherd, I'm really nothing. Who, who am I, God? Who am I? You can feel this tension because he must be thinking like, there's no way God is going to bring me back to Egypt. Like I'm out of it. I ran from Egypt because the Pharaoh is trying to kill me. Like there's no way God's going to bring me back to the same Pharaoh to then say, hey, let my people go. Hey, release my people from captivity. That sounds absolutely ridiculous. And I think in our culture, so many times when we think about purpose and what God has for us, we think about our purpose needs to be something that we, that we want to do, that brings joy to us, that, 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 that we like, that is comfortable and all of that. But here God is, 
inviting us into a much bigger purpose. God's saying the story that I'm writing is so much bigger than one person. The story that I'm writing, Moses, started way before you, and it's going to continue way after you. The story that God's writing started way before you and I, and it will go on way past you and I, and we are never, say never, we are never the star of the story. We are never the central figurehead. We are never the one that things revolve around. God is that. God is the one that controls all things. God is the one that that is the star of the story. And yet he invites us in. He allows us to be a part of his grander purpose, of his greater scheme, of of this big story that he's writing that started way before us and will end way after us. God says, I want you to be a part. Moses says, who am I? And I love God's response to Moses. In verse 12, it said, and God said, I'll be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses says, hey, God, who am I? And God says, I'll be with you. (laughs) Wait, what? God, I don't think you understood my question. My question was, who am I? God says, I understand your question. The answer is, I'll be with you. I don't think that's what Moses wants at this point. I think when Moses asks the question, who am I? I think what Moses is wanting is for God to like affirm him. Well, you're, you're my creation. You're a son of God. You're courageous. You're wise. You're the leader that I've chosen. Like if Moses was living in our culture today, he'd have signs up all over his house like, Moses, you are wise and you are courageous. You know, he would have like sayings to remind him of how great he is. And God's like, Moses, your question is who am I? That's irrelevant. It's irrelevant. Because the answer is, I'll be with you. That it doesn't matter who you are, Moses. Like I could choose anybody to set my people free I've chosen you. Who are you? Doesn't matter. It's who am I? And I'll be with you. Now, following God's purposes, I'll be real honest, it's not easy. And I would say probably the majority of people that go throughout this life, and I would say a large portion of people who say they're followers of Jesus, will never live out the purposes of God in their life. Not because they don't want to, but because it's so hard. Why is it hard? Because it takes sacrifice. It takes this concept of dying to yourself. Like when we think about purpose, we think about, well, like, what do I want to do? Like, what do I want to achieve? Like making my name great or doing something that I want to do. And God's like, but my purpose is so much bigger than you. It's so much greater than you. And because it is so hard, because it requires you to die to self, because it requires you to sacrifice, God says, I'll be with you. I'll be with you. I'll be with you when you want to give up. I'll be with you when you don't feel like you're capable. I'll be with you when the pain of your past paralyzes you from moving forward. I'll be with you. Like, who are you? Well, God tells you all kinds of things about who you are. You are his creation, and, and he does love you and all of those things. But who are you when it comes to God's purposes? It doesn't really matter because he'll be with you. And if he's with you, you will achieve whatever he's called you to do. It's not about your gifting. It's not about, you know, how you're wired and all of that, although God uses all of that in the story. Ultimately, what matters is God will be with you. 
So God reveals his promises, God reveals his purposes, and finally God reveals himself. God reveals himself. Throughout their conversation, God keeps revealing more and more about who he is. In verse 6, he says this, Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. He says, I'm the God of your fathers. This is important because I think Moses being on the run, uh, being an outcast, just, just being a shepherd at this point, feeling like, man, this is not where I was supposed to be in my life. God's going, but I'm still your God. I was the God of your family, and I'm still the God of you. And the promises I gave to them are still remain true for you. I love verse 7. Verse 7 says this, The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. He says, I've seen them. I heard them. Then he says, I'm concerned. Other translations say, I know. So God is saying, I'm intimately involved in your life. And even though you, don't, you, don't, you may not see him, even though there are times you may not hear him, you may not feel his presence, God is going, I'm there. And I'm intimately involved in your life. I see you. I hear you. He hears our cries. He knows what you're walking through. He knows the depth of the pain and the greatness of the joy. He knows it all of what you're walking through and what you're walking through in life. He sees, he hears, and he is concerned. He knows. And during this entire conversation, God's like, here's who I am, and I'm going to use you. And I love Moses' next question. Verse 13, he says this. Moses said to God, suppose I go to Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? And what shall I tell them? I mean, it's a really good question. Because Moses is in a polytheistic culture. The Egyptians, they worshiped multiple gods. So if you're going to send me, God, to say, God said this, I need to know what your name is. But I think it's a really good question, too, because it shows, like, the rawness of Scripture. Like, if you and I were going to write something and call God's word, we would, like, paint a pretty picture of everything. We'd make everything, like, look really good. For Moses to ask this question, it shows how real it is. Because Moses is going, I don't know your name. Like, I know you say you're, you're the God of my fathers. And you're intimately involved in all of that, but I don't know your name. And it's not like the Israelites didn't know his name. They knew his name. They've used his name before. Why didn't he know his name? Because God hasn't spoken in 400 years. It's been 400 years since God had moved in a significant way that they knew it was him. 400 years. And I get upset when like, I feel like God hasn't spoken to me in like a few weeks or a few months. They're like 400 years. And Moses is like, I don't know who you are. Who do I say that you are? And then God says this in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. I am who I am. Only God can get away with that. Right? Like, who are you, God? I am who I am. What? Like, what am I supposed to say? You, you just say, I am sent you. 
This is such a significant moment. And the name that God gives himself here, so important that the Israelites, the Jewish people still to this day, will not use that phrase, I am. They will not use it because they don't want to, they don't want anybody thinking that they are saying in any way that they're God. So they steer clear of it. In this moment, God is saying, I am who I am. He uses that phrase three times in this conversation with Moses. And when he uses it, it represents the Hebrew verb to be. So maybe another way of what God's saying is, I will be what I will be. End of story. God reveals himself to Moses. He says, hey, Moses, I'm the God of your fathers. Meaning I'm the same God that loved your dad and your mom and their parents, their parents for generations. I'm the same God that gave them promises and I will make good on those promises. He says, Moses, I've seen and I've heard and I'm concerned. I'm intimately involved in your life that I know it's been 400 years it doesn't mean I've been distant. It doesn't mean I've been away. I've been intimately involved. I hear and see and know everything that's happening. He says, I am who I am. This is me. As a part of me, I will always, always be with you. It's this encounter that changes Moses, changes the nation of Israel. And I would say sets the story, sets the stage for you and I be able to receive Jesus. So which of these things that God reveals to Moses, do you need God to reveal to you today? Which of these three, these three areas do you need God to speak into your life? Is it, do you need God to reveal his promises? Do you need God to remind you of what he says to you or what he says about you? It's why reading this is so important. It's why we have reading plans and we're like, man, just dive into this because this is where we find God's promises to you and I. And here's what I've learned, that if I'm not in God's word, if, not, if I'm not reminding myself of the promises of God, then I'm starting to believe the things I hear in the world. I start to believe the, the, the own lies that I tell myself or the lies that I believe from my childhood or whatever. And those things start to creep in and they get really loud and really easy to believe that I'm this type of parent, that I'm this type of person, that I'm struggling with this, that I'll never do this, I'll never overcome this, and all of those things. And then when I go to God's word, I see all these promises, that God will never leave me or forsake me, that God will help me to overcome anything, that no temptation has seized me, which is common to man. He hears my cries. He is a healer. He can bring peace. He cares about me and will meet my needs. The promises go on and on. Do you need God to reveal his promises to you today? Maybe you need God to reveal his purposes. Like, how are you created? What's your profession? Or what are you studying to become? Like, where have you seen success in your life? Where have you seen fruit? Like, you've done these things and, and good things have come back. Like, where have you seen that? All of those things are part of ultimately what God's purpose is for you. What's God's purpose? It's the same as it was back then. I mean, these people, they were trapped in literal slavery to the Egyptians. But today, 
or world is trapped in slavery to sin. And God wants to use you and I like he used Moses to set people free. God wants to use you and I once we come to Christ and we are set free from our own sin, once we have that, then God's like, now I want to use you because there's so many people who need to be set free. There's so many people and and you have the right wiring and the skill set and the job and all, like where you are right now is exactly where God needs you to help set people free. Maybe it's in your workplace. Maybe you're a business owner. Maybe it's in your home or it's in your neighborhood. And I know some of, I, I talk to people all the time about this, this idea of like wherever God has you, like there's people around you that need Jesus. And God has you there to help those people find him. And I get the argument is, oh man, I can't really talk about Jesus in my, my setting, whatever that setting is. And I get that. That's why the Bible talks about being as innocent as a dove and sly as a serpent, because you gotta figure it out. But your greater purpose is to partner with God to set people free. That's your greater purpose. I, I get the privilege of coaching uh, my daughter. She's in uh, fourth grade. I get to coach uh, third and fourth grade girls basketball. Uh, never thought I would do that. Uh, and then I had a daughter who loves basketball. So uh, I've been doing that for a few years now. And at the beginning of this season, before it started, my daughter cut her hand so she can't even play uh, this year. And she cut a tendon. And, uh, and then I had a shoulder get jacked up and I had to have surgery. So I can't even show these kids how to shoot a basketball, right? Like, it's kind of pathetic. And I'm like this, like, hey, who's your daughter? I'm like, she's not playing, you know, that's awesome. I'm kind of in this spot where I'm like, Lord, if you still want me to coach, and God's just like reminding me of my purpose. Like, yes, it's a privilege to get to, like, coach my daughter's basketball and talk about that. And she loves the game, and I love the game. I get to help other, you know, kids learn to love a game that I love, and I get to teach them some skills and all of that. Like, all of that's great. But my purpose is getting to talk to some of these parents and hear their story and invite them here. Ultimately, hoping that they will grow in their faith in Jesus. Like, that's my purpose. That's why I'm coaching at the end of the day. And man, I, I, sometimes I get too into it. I'm super competitive and all of that. But the whole reason I'm there, the whole reason I'm there is to partner with God. See people who are lost and spiritually disconnected, who don't have a, a church home, find a place where they can grow, meet Jesus, and grow in their faith in him. So whatever your place is in life, God has a bigger purpose he's writing and he wants you to join him. So do you need him to reveal those purposes to you? Or maybe you need, to reveal, you need him to reveal himself. Like maybe you're going through something right now where you're like, honestly, Ernest, I don't know what I need. I just need God to show up. Tell him that. Like I think our God is such a good father. Such a good father. I got, I got a friend that the phrase he uses is Papa God. I'm like, I love that. It's like the intimacy. Like there's like this connection. And our good, loving father wants you to come to him and tell him what you need. What do you need? You just need his presence. You need healing. What do you need the great I am to do or to be? 
Just ask him. And my prayer is he'll show up. And he'll be exactly that and more. Let's pray. Father, we come before you and I, I thank you for the story of Moses. I thank you we can study the story that happened thousands of years ago and yet see our story within it. And Father, I just pray that you would speak to us now and God, you would tell us what it is that we need as we wrestle with this. What do we need today? How do we need you to reveal yourself? God, for some of us, we need you to reveal your promises. We need you to reveal your promise that we are loved, that we are forgiven. God promises that of eternal life, promises of true peace and hope, all of that. And that's where really the promises start. There's so many more, but for some of us, God, we came into this place, and if we're to be honest, man, we feel far from you. We feel very far from experiencing peace or real life. We're struggling with some sin in our life and truly believing that we're forgiven. And the whole promises of God really start with Jesus. Like that song we sang earlier, it all starts with him. And this truth that God loved you so much that even in spite of our sin, yet while we were still sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us so that we can be forgiven, so that we can have real life, so that we can have true peace. If that's you, if you came into this place today just feeling far from God, feeling unworthy, feeling unforgiven, God is saying just come home today. What does that mean? It means the Bible makes it very clear. It's confessing your sin. We all have sin. We all miss the perfect mark that God sets. And then the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's that simple. It's really that simple. So if that's the decision you want to make today, with every head bowed and eyes closed, and you want to commit your life, recommit your life to Christ, I just want you to raise your hand. You want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you, God, for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you can simply text the word follow. It's a number on the screen. And I just want you to know God sees you. God loves you. And the Bible says the decision you're making right now, that even the angels in heaven are rejoicing. As a church, we rejoice with you in this moment. It's not the easiest decision, but it's the greatest one you'll ever make. And as a church, we'll walk with you throughout the process, throughout your faith journey. And then, God, for all of us, tell us what our next steps are. God, for some of us, we need to be reminded of your promises in our life. For some of us, God, we need you to reveal your purpose for us, how you can use us in our current situation, God, to help people discover you, be set free from sin in their life, be set free from the bondage we all found ourselves in at one point, and come to know you. And God, for some of us, we just need you to reveal yourself. God, just show up. Show up in our mental health. Show up in our families, God. Show up in our families. Show up with our kids. Show up in our faith. Show up in our health. Be the great I am, God. You will be what you will be. 
And I thank you that you are a God who can not only proclaim that, but you are a God who will show up. And you are faithful. It's in Jesus' name.